Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome everybody to Demand Gen Radio. Today on the program, Heidi Malin, and Heidi is the CMO at Workfront. And the reason I have Heidi on the program, not only to continue with these CMO insights, is because I really have had the pleasure over, it feels like a decade now, working with Heidi and her teams. And so I know Heidi's journey really, really well. And I thought for you, it would be so insightful for you to hear about her career journey, her experiences as she has climbed the corporate ladder and taken on the CMO role and the very valuable lessons that she has learned uh, to share with you. So without further ado, Heidi, thank you for joining me. How are you? Thanks, Dave. I'm great. I'm thrilled to be here and just have a conversation. Well, you are great, uh, and yet you are probably still suffering from from your injury. So, uh, you know, we, we caught up a couple weeks ago, and I understand that you... Uh, Tell me again. Was it? It wasn't. It wasn't just throwing your knee out. You you really did a number on on your knee, right? Yeah, I blew my knee out skiing. Um, one of the benefits of working for a company that's based in Utah is um, some great ski areas. And unfortunately, um, I had a little bit of a ski accident in Utah a couple weeks ago. So had some surgery. It's all fixed. Um, all uh, good news from here. So, um, but doing a little rehab at this point. Well, I hope you continue to heal. Uh, let me give you all some context. So like I said, Heidi and I have known each other for about a decade. And one of the reasons that we know each other is we live in the same community. We, you know how they say someone lives or is a stone's throw away? Um, you're about a, a, a drone flight away, close enough to uh, fly a drone over there. And our kids have gone to the same schools together. Uh, we've we've been in the community together. We run into each other when we're sweaty at the gym and, and getting a workout and ending a, an intense week. Um, and my daughter's been a cheerleader while her son has been playing football at the high school. So it's it's been nice to be in the same community circle. But as you know, Heidi, that's not really how we know each other. We really spend all of our interactions around our careers and our teams working together. And so I first want to thank you for all of that collaboration, the lessons that you know we've learned working together and really value the, the partnership. And thanks again for doing the program today uh, and sharing these insights. So thank you. Absolutely. So Heidi, one of the reasons that I reached out to you was an article that you published, I believe back in July of 2017. And it was, you know, essentially a letter to your kids and and some career advice for them. And I loved what you said in it, which is, I don't know if they'll ever read it, but I want to document these insights and these experiences. And it and it's cool. And I've I've left some Easter eggs like that on my Facebook wall and in other places for hopefully my daughters to find. But the insights that you shared there are tremendous. And so I want to make sure that people um, brought those, uh, you know, got a chance to hear that from you personally, and I want to dig into some of them. The first one that you talk about is your network and that how much a network matters. And, you know, it's it's not who you know, it's who knows you. Uh, I would switch it to say in, in that context, because a lot of the catapults that you've had in your career have had some come from some of those relationships. So, can we dig into that a little bit more and talk about how when you look back on these connecting points of life in your career, 
you know, where did where were some of those springboard relationships that really took you from those early roles? I remember you you share with me about the agency that you worked at, and I'd like to talk about that because I think for all of us, it's not our resume, right? It's not our experiences. I mean, all that matters, but it is really who we know, and more importantly, who knows us. So, um, talk about that because you know a lot of marketers aspire to be. CMO, which you've become multiple times, but how'd you get there? Well, you know, I am a huge believer in the fact that relationships are a really important part of career development. And um, I fortunately learned that really early in my career and started my career on the advertising agency side and worked on multiple accounts, had the opportunity to work with lots of different people. And through those relationships that that I developed and curated, um, I was able to continue to build my career even to the point where one of my clients, I moved with one of my clients from one agency to another agency and where the client actually said, gosh, we're going to move our account, but we want Heidi to come with us. And, um, and that was because not because I was the smartest one in the room or not because, you know, I had the most contacts on LinkedIn. LinkedIn didn't exist at that time. Um, but it was really because I'd built relationships and had trust. And, and so I've seen that play out so many times throughout my career where um, I think my last four CMO roles have not been, you know, because I saw a posting on a job board or got a call from a recruiter. They were because of personal relationships that I developed and, um, and, and curated and kept over time. And to me, that's a really important part of career development that sometimes doesn't, we don't pay as much attention to. And I actually think it's probably one of the most important things that anyone especially starting out in their career, learns early on. And I want to make sure, because I imagine there are a lot of people out there who have either not met you or aren't familiar with you, give you a little bit of the tale of the tape of, of Heidi's career. Uh, and so, you know, going back to mid-90s, this, and I believe this was the account, right? You moved from Hodgkin's uh, to PeopleSoft, right? And it was, it was that move, Correct. Yeah, well, it was actually a move from another agency earlier on to Hodgkin, Simone, and Searles. And that was with a client. And then to then I made a decision that I really wanted to continue my career on the corporate side and had had the opportunity to work on a joint campaign with one of my clients, the time a company called Informix. And, um, and they were working with a growth-oriented software company based at that time in Walnut Creek called PeopleSoft. And so I got to know the people on the PeopleSoft side and ended up moving to PeopleSoft at that time. So it was all relationships. It's all relationships, but it also is your work ethic and how you were supporting your clients, right? And they said, God, you know, we're leaving this agency, but we don't want to leave Heidi because she's doing a really great job on our account. So, hey, agency B, if you're going to work with us, then we'd really like you to reach out to Heidi and and take her with you. And then that led to you being group vice president at marketing at PeopleSoft. And then after that, you stepped up into the CMO role. And I want to talk about that transition at Iperion. Uh, and then you moved to Polycom and you were the chief marketing officer there. And that's where we really first started working together with you and Jen Demas and her team. And for those of you who missed the first CMO Insights 
podcast that I did with Jen, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that one. So you can you can hear now uh, Heidi today, but also uh, someone who's been a member of her team, who's now chief marketing officer herself. And then you went to Taleo, where we worked together, and you were CMO there. And then you went on to Eloqua, which was mm-hmm. acquired by Oracle, and you were the CMO at Eloqua. And uh, now you are chief marketing officer. No, you were, sorry, chief marketing officer at Plex Systems, and now chief marketing officer at Workfront. So I wanted to, you know, people to hear two things there, right? You've been chief marketing officer at several different companies, some that have gone through acquisitions. You know, I know you've shared with me, you know, you don't consider yourself a big risk taker, but when somebody's been the chief marketing officer at several top leading companies and gone through these acquisitions, you know, Heidi, you, you take more risk than maybe you're you're willing to uh, own up to. But I think it was just important for, you know, all of those career moves came through your network and came through your relationships and, and you reaching out and you told me the story of you sitting down and having a cup of coffee with someone and just exploring, you know, uh, opportunities and, and they offered you one and that, that little time in your day to have a cup of coffee with someone led to a moment. And I look back at my own career, right? And I'm like, you know, when you string together the dots, it's amazing how you end up where you are. And at the time, they may seem so random, but are, are they really? I don't know. It's, it's, it's fascinating to look back. And so uh, talk about, uh, if you would, you know, that gut in- instinct. You, 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 some, you, you said, you know, trust your gut. That was the advice that you've given. And sometimes we have that little voice inside of us that we listen to, sometimes we don't. So how has that helped you in your career vet out opportunities and, and key decisions you make? Well, it's all learning along the way. And I would say those times that I haven't trusted my gut um, don't turn out as, as well as the times that you do. And one of the things that was a great example for me and really learning was, um, you know, I was the CMO of a very large um, publicly held uh, telecommunications company that you mentioned earlier. And, uh, and what I found was that you know, my gut told me that it wasn't necessarily the best fit for me. Um, and having been in software for as long as I had uh, working on the hardware side and really in the telecommunications industry was a stretch. And it was definitely risk-taking. But then when I realized that my personal uh, values weren't aligned with the company, um, I didn't take the opportunity to, to walk away at that time to say, you know what? I should, I should move to something different because I'm not aligned and I'm feeling like, like it, this is not supporting my own personal values and, and, and my personal goals as well. And I knew it and I still stayed for a number of months and, and probably up to a year and it takes a physical toll on you. And that was something that was really interesting to, uh, to learn because I had, you know, close friends, family, team members. But as soon as I really made that decision to move on to the next thing and to, uh, to extend beyond where I had been, it was like a weight was lifted off my shoulders physically. And, um, and that's hard learning. I mean, you know, when you know something and you really, you have an instinct about something that's either really right for you or really not right for you, having the courage to trust that instinct is sometimes hard, but I guarantee it's gonna you're gonna end up in the right place. Yeah, I I want to go deeper on this, and I think you know for anyone listening, you know today may be a turning point in your career because it's 
this is such an important topic. And before I, you know, go a little bit deeper, I want to make sure that you know something about Heidi is she is very loyal to the companies that she works at. I, I read off all of those different places with intent. And I want to go back and let you know when Heidi was at PeopleSoft, she was there for nine years. When she was at Hyperion, she was there for several years. When she was at Polycom, she was there for almost four years. Uh, it was the stints at Taleo, which was acquired by Oracle, and at Eloqua, which was acquired by Oracle, right? There's a coincidence that you were there for a shorter period of time because you knew the kind of environments that you wanted to work in and where you could thrive in. And when you were at Plex, you know, almost five years and now at Workfront for the past year. So you don't hop around. It's not like all of these were short little stints. I mean, you really dig in and 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 help them grow. And like you said, in the environments where maybe there's an acquisition and then the, the parent company is an environment where you're not necessarily, uh, you know, as wanting to stay, you did that. But here's, here's why I want to talk about this. I'm going to talk about two people right now without naming any names, two people that I know very well that are in situations, and this is for all of you listening. So one of them has joined a company and she's only been there for less than half a year. And her instincts are telling her, she's not in the best place. She's not under the best leadership. She's not in an environment where she's going to um, get as much training and mentoring and growth. And she's telling herself, you know what? I got to stick it out at least a year. So I want to get your thoughts on that. Another person is also much more tenured in her career and her experience. She's moved into a role that she was really passionate and going to. And again, is feeling like she's in the wrong environment not because of um, the the role itself, but because of just the un, unhealthy relationship between sales and marketing. And so when you talk about trusting your gut, Heidi, without going into the who's in more details, what advice would you give to someone who's early in their career and fears that she's in the wrong place, but feels like God, I, I can't look like a hopper in my, my resume and someone who's more tenured in her experience and just knows like, I'm in an unhealthy sales and marketing situation and you've had enough experience in your career to know when it's right and when it's wrong. So what are your thoughts on, on that? What would you advise people, them and, and people listening in or thinking about, you know, am I in the right place? Am I doing the right thing? Yeah, I certainly think um, w- when you look at someone who has, uh, is earlier in their career and has been somewhere for less than a year. That's a that's a really tough one because uh, because you don't want to have uh, your professional experience, your resume appear like you jump around. And at the same time, I think all hiring managers and top executives are going to give people a pass for making making a a wrong decision once or twice throughout their career. I just think that there's. Uh, there's room for, uh, if you really feel like you're not necessarily in the right place, um, to be very, very thoughtful about the next step that you take and, um, and make sure it's the right one. And, you know, we all get very caught up in, um, maybe the grass is greener somewhere else, but really know that before you make a change that early in your tenure at a company. But when you decide to do it, just be very thoughtful about the next role that you take because you do want to be able to demonstrate loyalty and commitment to a cause and not set up a storyline that appears that you, you know, if things get hard, you decide to walk away. So that would be the counsel for the person who has been 
on board for not very long. To the tenured person with the with conflict with sales and marketing, I would um, really assess whether or not um, you can actually make a difference in that relationship. Um, and if it's impossible to make a difference in that relationship, I would say it's time to move on. Um, we've all been in situations where there are things that are under our control and there are things that we feel like we can't control, but sometimes we can influence them in ways that maybe aren't direct line responsibility, but you can look for ways that you can improve a relationship and influence the relationship between sales and marketing and make sure before you decide to move on to the next thing that you've, that you've tried all of those things and you're not just, you're not just giving up because it's hard because work's hard and we all are going to hit speed bumps and, and, um, issues and challenges. And, and I would encourage, you know, both someone who's earlier in their career and more tenured to be very thoughtful about those moves. Definitely trust your instincts, but then be very thoughtful about those moves and ensure you're not doing it just because it got hard for a little bit. You, you've mentioned that a few times in our conversations and, and certainly stuff that you've published, which is, um, no matter how passionate you are, work is hard, you know, and I, and I've seen you at the gym taking those gigantic heavy ropes and just going at it and you don't mind working hard. I mean, that's who you are. You, you live in California and your company Workfront, is headquartered in Utah and you make the trek and you go all in and you do what it takes uh, to win and succeed. And so um, I do want to come back to what what has been very topical these days, which is, um, you know, uh, hustle porn, right? Gary mm-hmm. Vaynerchuk and others, you know, just out there promoting just, you know, how intense and how hard you work. So let's come back to that. But I, I want to ask you a question, if you can kind of, you know, dig into this, which is, you know, we've all had those, you know, it, it's around when to leave, when and and you've made decisions to leave. And so we all in our careers go through experiences where we wake up in the middle of the night, two or three o'clock in the middle of the night, we're thinking about something that happened at work or something that's really weighing on us. Or we wake up in the morning thinking about it. We know we're struggling in it. Sometimes waking up like that and really having something on the top of your mind is your body's way of coping and dealing with the struggles in your life. And it prepares you for how to deal with that. Your subconscious is saying, you're not there yet. You don't have the answer yet. So let's spend more time on it. Other times, there are physical ways that you are feeling uh, and acting. And I think your family called you out on some of that, which is you're not in the right place. When you look back on your career, are there signs that you can kind of think back to and go, that when this stuff is happening to me, that's when I know it's either time to go or that's when it's like, yes, I want to go after this opportunity. Yeah, it's scary. It's it's a new role. I haven't done this before or whatever. Like, Any insights to how you made those decisions? Because you've had a phenomenally successful career, right? So many people would be ecstatic to have the success both personally and financially that you've had. And you've had to make critical decisions, Heidi. So how did you make those? Yeah, I would say I've gotten better at making them over time because you learn. Um, I would say that the physical toll is certainly one of them. When you realize that physically you are so tired all the time because it's mentally and physically exhausting to be in a situation where you feel like you can't win and you can't make a difference. And so that's really the thing that I look at most carefully is when I feel like I can't make a difference, that's when I need to get out. And, um, and 
And the company should look at bringing someone else in that can make a difference. And when I feel like I have explored all the options in making a difference at a company, helping to move things along, and because either outside things have changed, inside politics have changed, there are days that you're like, I just, I'm not sure that I can make an impact. And that's the point where you really have to start to think about, is this the right place for me? And I've certainly had that a couple times in my career. Um, most recently, when I made the change from Plex Systems to Workfront, you know, had a four plus year opportunity to help grow that business and feel really, really proud of how uh, the, the contribution that, um, that certainly I made and the broader marketing team made to the growth of that business. But then the, the environment changed in a way that was, that was really out of my control. And, um, and it was time for me to move to that next thing. And uh, because the impact that I was going to have was not as great as it had been the prior four years before. And so I think it's about really honing in, you know, both mentally and physically on how, how, much, how, how hard it is, is it to get up and go to work in the morning. You know, are you excited about tackling and making a difference or are you exhausted by the thought of it? And that to me is, has been a really, a valuable cue that I haven't always listened to and is one that, um, that I think is, it's uh, helpful to be tuned in like to your physical and mental state and, um, and to really realize when you can't make a difference. And if you can't, like move on. Let someone else make a difference. And to me, yeah. that's, that's healthy. As you're describing it, I'm thinking about a couple experiences in the last week. One of them, going back to the workout, is you know, I decided to try Orange Theory uh, and give that a try just to mix things up. And I was working out. They, you know, they give you some of these competitions. And the other day it was how far can you run in X amount of minutes. And I think it was 12 minutes. And at the end of that, which I set a, a record for myself, it's not, nothing, nothing, by the way, to be proud of. It just was a record for myself. This, this was no four-minute mile. I was really um, exhausted, but I felt so alive and so pumped and so good about it, right? So that's hard work that feels good. And then there's that feeling, like you said, of feeling defeated or helpless or not capable, um, that you can't be an agent of change. You're in the wrong environment, and that's, that's when it's time, time to go. I want to talk about leadership, Heidi. You have a lot of fans out there. I, I don't know anyone who's not a Heidi fan. I know Felicia Egan incredibly well, who's worked for you, loves you, would take a bullet for you. You know, like you're the kind of leader she just loves working with. Uh, of course, Jen and Erica and Doug, you know, there's a huge list of people who just, when your name comes up, they light up and talk about you and their experiences working with you. Um, so just to ask you to try and be as, as transparent and thoughtful as you can. What makes you such a great leader? Why are these people um, so tied to you, so committed to you, and, and so uh, willing to follow you on your journey? You know, as, as you've gone, a lot of them have followed along with you. Where, what, do you think, what do you think your recipe for success as a leader is? Yeah, that, that, first of all, that's very nice, Dave. And, um, and I think part of it is I enjoy working with teams. And for me, it's not about, it's really about leading teams not just managing teams. And that's something that I take really seriously. And 
Um, I learned also early in my career to um, look at hiring talent and working with people that are way smarter than I am and have deeper expertise in areas that maybe I don't go very deep in. And, um, and putting and assembling teams together, uh, that's the magic. And so that's what I've really enjoyed doing and being able to bring together teams of people with, with not only background and experience that's different and broader or deeper than mine and be able to work together to tackle business challenges. That's the secret sauce for me. And I think that people really enjoy that because they feel like they're given the ability to add value. Um, they feel like they're part of a team and they can see what they have accomplished. And so that's one of the things as I move into any organization, uh, looking at the talent on the team and where we need to add additional expertise and background to assemble the right team mix in order to be successful, depending on what the business challenge is. And, um, and I think that's why people enjoy it because they enjoy being part of a team and being successful. And I'm part of the team and, you know, I lead by example and, um, you know, I'm the first person to roll up my sleeves and do the hard work. And I also am really happy to have people that I work with that have deeper experience and that I learn more from them than they do from me. So some of the people that you just mentioned are some of the people that I've learned the most from. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that's, a, that's um, something key that, uh, that leaders don't always think about. And, uh, and that's an important one for me. You, um, I'm glad you brought that up because you know when you when you went past Hyperion and when you were CMO there, um, at around that time, you know in the in the mid 2000s, things really changed in marketing. Right, all of a sudden, marketing technology is coming along, and you know 2007 was when I started Demand Gen, right, 12 years ago. So you're right in that point where like, holy cow! And so you go to Polycom, and there you brought in people like Jen and others who. Um, are great agents of change, strong in marketing operations, strong in marketing technology and product marketing and other areas, like you said, to surround yourself with additional skill sets and capabilities. I was talking to a leader the other day, Heidi, and, and he said to me, he goes, you know, I've got three managers on my team that are all kind of peaking in terms of their capabilities. And I thought a lot about that after the conversation, and I'll certainly follow up with them. And I was like, you don't really want to be in that position where your leadership team is peaking. You want your leadership team to be smarter and more capable than you. If you're the smartest employee at your company, um, that's going to present some really big growth challenges. So I know some leaders feel like they got to be the smartest person in the room and absolutely they're wrong. And like you said, you don't lead from the boardroom. You don't lead from your office. You are down in the trenches with your team, working with them on those on those projects and um, not above anything that they do themselves. And they, they feel that and experience that. And Jim Collins, you know, certainly wrote about that in Good to Great, where he talked about the levels of leadership and, and you know, that winning with your team together is really going to bond you as a leader and not just you know, leading because you have a title uh, and a manager. What about being an agent of change? You know, um, not being afraid to suggest that there's a better way, right? You've had to come into companies every time as their CMO 
and assess and take a lay of the land. You know, you and I have been doing that together right at, at Workfront since you arrived there and looking at the team, the capabilities, the the tech stack, right? One of the first engagements we our team started working on was like assessing your tech stack and say, do we have the right infrastructure in place? Are we using it the right way? So when you come in as a CMO, right, you're expected to bring about change. Do you find you do that in a particular way that lends itself to the board getting behind you and the executive team and, and sales and marketing? Do you have any, any secret recipes there? I would say it's about really taking a um, close look and, uh, and understanding the landscape of the company, not only the depth of talent, but also understanding what the business challenges are uh, before making change. Um, because the worst thing is to have a new executive, whether it's a CMO or any other executive, come in and just change things around, not really knowing why or what the, uh, the business problem is that they're solving. And so understanding the business challenge understanding the team dynamics and where the gaps are to me is the most important thing to do out of the gate. And you can't do that in the first two weeks. You know, it takes a good 30 to 60 days to do an assessment like that. And that's one of the things that I really enjoy doing is coming into an organization and really assessing where the team is, what's the impact that the team has had, and how can we help the business move forward and how can we ensure that the marketing team is aligned with the company strategy and overall the business strategy to help us be successful and coming into Workfront, you know the great news is is amazing team and we had some gaps in expertise and so bringing in some additional expertise has been extremely helpful at Workfront, but also uh, bringing everyone along in being clear about why we're making change, why why this specific business process or team structure needs to be adjusted and how that helps us with our goals. And the cool part about being at Workfront is that our customers at Workfront are essentially bringing change into their organization's with the way they manage work. And so we typically find inside our customers, we find folks that literally are bringing a better way into their own businesses with the Workfront technology to accomplish work. And so not only am I doing that inside of Workfront in my function as the CMO, but I get to watch that happen with our customers. And, um, and as you build a new category, you need to find those agents of change in an organization that are willing to take a risk, that are willing to say, yeah, there has to be a better way to do this. There has to be a better way to manage work inside a large enterprise. And those are the kind of customers that we're working with. So um, it's exciting for me to be able to align those two uh, skills. One, my own personal skill about going into marketing teams um, and helping evolve and change them, but also to see that with the customers that I get to work with on a day-to-day basis. You must have, Heidi, a very disarming and genuine way of, a, of doing these audits, right? Because you, you really get to the crux of things. Um, people seem that they're, they're willing to share with you and be open with you, um, is, is what I've heard. Uh, have you, have you found that? Have you, you know, is there an approach you use? You know, cause you, 
you're you're digging in, right? You're you're mm-hmm. you're a bit of an undercover agent, but there's there's nothing undercover, right? You're going in and you're assessing. Uh, how do you get people to be so transparent with you and, and give you the real skinny as opposed to, you know, protecting what was done and how it's done and why it's done and, and really not coming forward and, and surfacing you where they think there's either gaps in the organization or opportunities? I'm a huge believer in being honest and upfront with people and, um, and being clear about what I'm trying to do. So the, there, it's not a secret that Alex Schutman, the CEO of Workfront, brought me in to help change and evolve the marketing team. That's not a secret. Um, and it wasn't because anything was bad or wrong before, but we just need to evolve in order to continue to help uh, drive a growth-oriented business. And so, um, so I'm very clear with everybody on the team that we are going to change. And we're going to do that in a thoughtful way that we're going to bring everyone along. And, um, and I just believe in being really open and honest. And I think that uh, if a leader is open and honest, um, the team follows suit because that's how you develop trust. And, um, and to me, that's probably one of the most valuable things that, that a leader can bring to a change conversation is just to be open and honest with what we're trying to accomplish. There are no secrets. There's no, oh, you know, here's the, here's the secret plan that we're working towards. There's none of that because I really want to engage everyone in getting us to the next level. And it's not because we're bad or wrong before. It's because we have to evolve and change as our business evolves and grows. And uh, that, that to me, I think is probably the skill that is uh, a little bit um, more disarming to folks and creates that level of engagement because they're helping to solve the problem. Yeah. Let's talk about Mr. Shootman, Alex Shootman, who you mentioned. Um, you and Alex worked together when you were at Eloqua uh, before the Oracle acquisition. He used to run sales at Eloqua and then became their president. Alex is someone who I just absolutely adore as a person, as a human being, as a leader. Um, he's an incredible father. He's an uh, incredible leader. He has shared with me, as his team has, emails and communication that he has, has done, and he just cares so much about people and his team, and he cares about winning. Clearly, if you've joined him again, uh, there's something about your relationship uh, with him and him as a leader that is worth discussing. So... What's your perspective on Alex as, as a leader and as a teammate of yours? Because the CMO, let's, let's face it, the CMO and head of sales, which he was, and the CMO and the CEO have to have a phenomenal relationship built on trust and push each other and challenge each other. So what's the dynamic like with the two of you? It, you know, it's great. You know, back to how we started this conversation about relationships. Um, this was a situation where um, I had been a Workfront customer at Plex, so I was familiar with the product and understood the market market space. Um, but it wasn't until Alex joined Workfront that I really started to pay attention to the company and um, have a tremendous amount of respect for Alex because he brings a level of passion and enthusiasm and, like you said, competitive spirit to a business that is um, tangible. And he does care so much about his... Um, the companies that he works for, and Workfront is absolutely no exception. He is so very passionate about 
our work front customers and about what they're accomplishing and in, you know, in uh, creating and expanding a new category, you have to have that um, almost fanatical focus on evangelizing um, the cause. And Alex is so good at that. And so when I yeah. looked at the opportunity at Workfront, I just thought, gosh, this is a recipe for success. Great product platform, amazingly passionate uh, CEO, and overall leadership team. And, uh, and so that part makes my job way easier. And so we had a relationship. We know how to work together because we had developed that in working at Eloqua. And so, um, and so slotting into the workfront team has just been, has been phenomenal. And, um, he has more passion and enthusiasm for what we're doing at workfront. Um, he is as energized as ever. And, uh, and he is, uh, there's something magical that happens when he stands up and when he engages with a customer, he, he has an amazing way of uh, demonstrating that passion and commitment. Sure does. You got another book out of him, uh, which uh, I, you know, as an author myself, I did my first book in 2012. I'm working on the second book, Agents of Change, which, as you and I have talked about, your 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 stories are woven into that book for sure. I can't wait to get it done. You got one done with him, done right, in fact, is what it's called. Um, what's the book about, and and how is it doing? Congratulations, by the way, and I know that you guys are still essentially on tour. So, what's it about, and and um, who should grab it? Well, it's exciting to be part of the, this book launch with Alex and with the team. And really what it's about, it's about how, how work has changed and how, how uh, digital transformation has impacted how work gets done in large organizations. And Alex will tell you, although he is the author of it, he's really telling stories, not only stories of uh, Workfront customers that he has that he has worked with, but also experienced leaders across industries. And so the book is actually made up of a series of interviews, 30 total interviews of real seasoned leaders and how to approach work and the need to have and support new leaders in this new environment. So when you think about, uh, folks that are joining the workforce, giving them actual tangible tools that they can use to help motivate the teams that they work on, to help determine how do they move projects and work within their organization forward, how they can be successful within their companies. And it's a very, um, it's a great book from a storytelling standpoint because of the richness of the interviews but it's also very practical. So it's actually a practical guide for how to get work done in a new age. And, um, and so Alex tells the story. He shares a lot of uh, personal experience, but he also shares experience of a lot of different individuals and leaders from a variety of different areas. And so it's um, directed really at emerging leaders and, um, and, you know, I was in the stockings for both of my kids this Christmas because I think it's just a very valuable, uh, uh, practical guide to leadership. 
Well, if you have one at home, I'm going to swing by this weekend and grab one off your doorstep. Uh, uh, I, and, I will uh, get it to you. Nice. I would love it. It sounds sounds right up my alley. Um, congratulations again on that. Done right. Um, awesome. And I will I will uh, reach out to Alex and catch up with him. So funny. Someone texted me this morning. Hey, do you know Alex Shootman? I thought that was so ironic that we were today doing our podcast and someone was asking me that. I got one more question for you because I know you've probably got to jump to a meeting soon. And, and this is a biggie, but if you could give a little bit you have been uh, incredibly successful in your career and incredibly successful as a mother. I know that because I see that in your kids and I see the incredible talent they have, both athletically and intellectually, uh, and the early success that they're having. A, how'd you do it? That's probably a podcast in itself. And then I also want to go, how do you do it? You know, how, how do you be a career woman, mother, uh, executive, and, and make it all happen? Is, it, is there a secret recipe? <laughs> big, big question. <laughs> yeah, I wish there was a secret recipe because I would share that. Um, you know, it is about balance. And when I say that, like I almost cringe myself because I, I, I hate the concept of, you know, finding a perfect balance. You're never in perfect balance. It's always about figuring out where you are. And um, there are times when, when I have to lean in a little bit more at work than I'd like to. Um, or at times that I have to lean on a little more at home. And, and that is a really important sense that I think you need to have. Any parent understands that, that, um, that terrible pull. I mean, my, my best story is having, having support around you is um, an understanding where that support comes from. And everyone's situation is different, but and I'll tell you that, you know, my daughter, I, I missed her first day of kindergarten. Like, ow, like that hurt. Mm, you know, wow. she's, tw- she's 22. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that one hurts. And you know what, Dave, it was her birthday too. First day of kindergarten oh, boy. and oh. her birthday. And it was a, it was a work event for people stuff that I, that I couldn't miss. And, mm-hmm. um, and those people around me, my husband, my, my parents, they said, you know, my husband said, so pragmatic, like, sure, you'll miss her first day of kindergarten, but she's going to have a third day of kindergarten. How about you take her on her third day of kindergarten? I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess she will have a third day of kindergarten. Uh, I can take her that day. And, um, <laughs> and it was just so, it, you know, when, a good husband. yeah, you just need to give yourself a little bit of a break and to understand those things that are meaningful and those that we put pressure on ourselves. Because I'll tell you that my daughter is good. She's fine. She has survived yeah. from me missing her first day of yep. kindergarten. Harder on yeah. me than it was on her. Um, but it is something that we don't often give ourselves a break. And, uh, and I do think that understanding where your balance needs to be and understanding that you're not always going to be in perfect balance. Yeah. That's phenomenal insight because I think we all feel out of balance all the time. And if we can just get our heads wrapped around, that's life. That's what it is. But make sure that the pendulum isn't too far over here all the time or too far over here all the time. And if you just keep trying to keep it swinging close to the middle, then you'll you'll be able to um, a- accomplish and do the things and be part of the things that you want to do. If, if you can't be there for the first day of school and your daughter's birthday, you can celebrate it another day and, and be there together. Heidi, thank you so much for the time and sharing your 
insights in your career journey and your lessons on on leadership and being an agent of change. Um, I hope you continue to heal quickly and get back up on your feet full time. And I look forward to seeing you around around town. And and thanks again for um, having our teams continue to work together year after year after year. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. I enjoyed it. Awesome. All right, well, that is going to do it for this episode of Demand Gen Radio. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll catch you on the next episode. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.